0: Open up your Bibles to John chapter number one. John chapter number one. I don't know if it's a preacher thing or what, but, you know, there's been a lot of great men of God. And a lot of them were in the early 1900s. God was working a real movement back in the early 1900s and uh, late 1800s. You had men like Charles Spurgeon. See if you know these names. Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody. You had the Salvation Army. You had, uh... Um... You had Billy Sunday. You had Billy Graham. And, uh... You know, a lot of these names, the great preachers, F.B. Meyer and, uh... A.W. Tozer. And you you had a a lot of movement of God going on in the early 1900s, around the turn of the century. And God was really working. And, uh... I was studying for this message, and I want to give I want to give the preacher credit, but this is from uh, Alan Carr. It's the introduction he had, and I, I just want to read it to you so that I make sure I got it all right. But what I'm about to read you, it shows you how one person, one man being faithful, and when I say man, it applies to you too, women. You know that, right? I'm talking about men, but... Uh, how one person being faithful, there's, there can be a whole chain of events that take place after that. And, and things are just really rolling together because in the missionary letter, we see some of that, right? In the first letter, we see Brother David planting a seed. He doesn't get to see what happens. But the seed was planted. The man learned about the Word of God. He knew he was going to hell, and he was told how to get to heaven. We don't know what's going to happen. Somebody else will walk up there, and he'll be ready. We also heard in the missionary letters, and I didn't set all this up, but we heard in the missionary letters, you know, the, the man heard a little bit of the preaching. He walked down the road, and there was a tract on the ground. They'd been left by another preacher. They'd been street preaching for years and never seen anybody get saved. But he picks up that tract, and he gets saved because of it. some plant, some plow. That's the break in the hard ground, right? That's the person that doesn't know anything. That's the person that's hard-headed. And some plant. They plant the seed of the Word of God. They tell them about the gospel maybe they didn't know. And then some, water. Some reap the harvest, but God gives the increase. God's the one that works in their hearts. So let me read this to you with this thought in mind. We're going to be looking at John the Baptist today in case I keep you from guessing. And we're going to be looking, and we're going to start at verse number 6, if y'all like to get there. But uh, this is from Alan Carr's sermon. He said, I read again this week the wonderful story about Ed Kimball, a Sunday school teacher. He won a young fellow to the Lord and got that one stirred up. The new convert got the secret of the Lord's power upon his life, and he became the well-known D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody. The story says that after evangelizing America, D.L. Moody started on England. There in England, Frederick B. Meyer, or F.B. Meyer, heard his message. One of the uh, illustrations that Moody used did not at first stir Brother Meyer. Then one of his Sunday school teachers came to him and said, Brother Meyer, the illustration that that preacher gave in our church the other day stirred my girl so much that there's been a lot of weeping, confession, and testimony we're sure that the Holy Spirit has come among us and we have had an experience in our class that you won't believe. F.B. Meyer was so affected by the testimony of that teacher and those girls that he got off by himself and soon it began to grip him in the same manner. His ministry began to open up and spread and as it did, he was invited to come to America. And he came and went to Furman University to preach. One young fellow in the student body had decided to quit the ministry and go back to a secular job. But the message by F.B. Meyer was given with such fervor and flame that the young man, came, that the young fellow stepped out, came forward and renewed his vow to his calling. And he became the great R.G. Lee. I realize y'all might not know some of these names, but I hope to, I hope to fix that here in the coming year. Uh, Then then F.B. Meyer went on to preach at another location. In that service, a young fellow caught fire and began to evangelize. His meetings spread out all over the areas of New England and the mid-Atlantic coast until they were bulging at the seams. J. Wilbur Chapman set on fire of God through the preaching of F.B. Meyer began to stir up the whole northeastern, northeastern coast. Then because of Chapman's preaching, you see what's going on here, right? Then, because of Chapman's preaching, he was invited to speak at a certain place. His ministry was changing, and he needed someone to move in on those citywide crusades that he was holding. Someone said, the man you want is the young convert, Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, influenced by J. Wilbur Chapman, got into the ministry and went to Charlotte, North Carolina. There, a group of laymen got so inspired and so stirred up that they organized a committee to invite other evangelists back. One invited was Mordecai Ham from Louisville, Kentucky. He preached in a meeting, and this is where you catch up. He preached in a meeting and Billy Graham got saved. Billy Graham became a renowned evangelist around the world, all because Edward Kimball, won nobody, won one other nobody, and started a series of dominoes falling It ended up with millions saved in Moody's ministry. Hundreds of thousands in Meyer's ministry, hundreds of thousands more in Chapman's ministry, hundreds of thousands more in Lee's ministry, and hundreds of thousands more in Graham's ministry, all because one fellow won one soul to Christ. That's good stuff there. So it is possible to change the world by the, by the avenue of simply sharing your faith and inviting another human being to come to Jesus. So if you ever have doubts, if you ever, well, there's just not enough reach, or that person just didn't hear me, or, did you give them the gospel? It's God that gives the increase. If you hold back, how can you help? How can you do anything for the Lord if you hold back? Now, when we look at John the Baptist today, we see one man that certainly did change the world, and he was called to God. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He said of men born among women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So let's look at John chapter number one, verse number six, and we'll see this witness. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might be saved, might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Talking about Jesus Christ. Today I want to look at his service, his source, his service, and his surrender. We see here in John chapter 1, verse number 6, it says there was a man sent from God. God called John the Baptist from a very, very early age. Before he was even born. I'm trying to see something. Give me a minute. Yep. He never performed a miracle. He didn't dress nice. He didn't eat the best food. But he was called. He was. uh, We're told he was clothed with camel's hair. With a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. But turn to Matthew chapter number three. Things got out of order for me there. Turn to Matthew chapter number 3. And I'd like to see how he started out. Nope, turn to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1. We see John's source. Number 1 is understanding where John came from. God had prophesied that there would be a messenger that would come and prepare the way for the Messiah. And here John was called before he was even born. We We see Zacharias and Elizabeth, John's parents. They're old in age, like Abraham and Sarah, and they haven't had a child. And the time comes and Zacharias is a priest, and the priest would do Services one time in the temple in their life. I'm told there was like 20,000 priests, but they each took a turn within the temple to offer the sacrifices or to be able to offer the incense, which were the prayers that were going up to God. And they'd been praying for a child, but they'd never had one. And there's Zacharias, and he goes into the temple, and he goes to offer up the incense, and, and the young man puts the flame on there, and he puts the incense on it. And... Uh, It tells us about John and his wife, it says, and they were both righteous, verse number six, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So he's got a good foundation already. And verse number seven, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both, were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, His lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto, unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And there he... Receives the promise of having a child. But well, that child has a purpose and that child is set apart for a reason. Set said, uh, verse number 12 and when uh, verse number 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now that's quite a calling. You know, now we get older, we feel the Lord moving on us to, to call us in a direction. But here God had set John apart from before his birth to be the messenger to announce the coming of his son. The source of his message is God, and the source of his lineage is his parents who were, who were blameless before God. And he was to be set apart. He was neither to touch wine or strong drink or to cut his hair. He was to take a Nazarite vow from his birth. So he's set up to serve God. Now in his service, and this is where we get back to where I got mixed up, but it said, uh, John the Baptist never performed a miracle during all the time that he was a preacher. He didn't dress nice. Mark 1.6 tells us that John was clothed with camel's hair with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he didn't eat good food or the kind that we would go out and buy, right? He ate locusts and wild honey, the Bible tells us. And then turn now turn to Matthew chapter number 3. And I bring this up. The reason that I bring this up is because we get so caught up in the modern world. We've got to do this to bring people in. We've got to do this to bring people in. And we've got to do this and that. And... When I look back on those old preachers and when I look back on that faithful Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, y'all missed out on that. But when I look back on that, I see faithful men of God who, who were surrendered to God. And they preach the word of God. We get so caught up. I, th- I think the, the church today is so nervous about the population. And I ask myself as a preacher, I look out and I say, well, what would it take to reach them? And every time I pray about it, you know what God says? My word. I think about Elijah when he's out there and he says, there's nothing left but me, Lord. And he's, he's up under the juniper tree. And God tells him, he says, I have 5,000 left who have not bowed the knee to Baal. He said, you're not the only one, Elijah. And I think about this world and there's people that want to be saved. There's people that God, that have been talking to God and saying, God, I'm tired of all of this religion. I'm tired of all this crazy stuff. I'm tired of, I just want to know you, Lord. And I think that's where they swear off religion. They swear off organized religion. I mean, let's face it. You get into an old church that's been there a long time. You get somebody to look at you cross-eyed about how you dress. You get somebody to look at you crossways about your history. Now, there's things that you ought to get right in your life. But sometimes you can just, the the church will go one way or the other. The church will say, over here, you got to walk right, talk right, and spit white. And then over here on the other side, and you all have heard me talk about it before, but over on the other side, it said, you know what? If it feels good, do it. You say, well, you're setting up a straw man. I don't know. I always think so, but when I've sat in one of those services, it's just like, where's God? Here's the music. Here's the preacher. Here's the service. Here's the emotion. Where's God? I look out in the community and I say, who are those that want to know the Lord? And the Lord said, preach my word. Now I know there's things. Oh, this gets personal. Preacher's not supposed to talk about it. Now I know there's things where I fall short. But I read this about John and I was reading in that FB Meyer. I was reading his book about John the Baptist. Oh man, you talk about getting taken back into time. And actually seeing Zacharias in that temple. Offering up those incense. And that angel says, you're going to have a son. Elizabeth is going to have a son. And Zacharias, he, he, he doesn't believe him. You know what happens? The angel shuts his mouth. He doesn't speak again until John comes. When John comes... Zacharias doesn't hesitate. They they ask Elizabeth, what are you going to name? She said, John. And they said, "Well, well, none of your relatives are named John. And they ask him, and he motions for some paper. And he says his name will be John. They're doing exactly as the Lord commanded. And when he did that, his mouth was open. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is praise to God. Glory to God. And when John comes on the scene, he doesn't... He doesn't craft his message to reach the most people. He doesn't set up a facility that's going to reach the most people. John gets out there, and I'm not saying we got to do exactly like John. John had a special ministry. But when you see God work in people's lives, all this stuff becomes irrelevant. When you see God work in your own life, all this extra stuff is irrelevant. It's what is your relationship with Jesus Christ is what matters. And when John goes out there into the desert, he doesn't have a building. He doesn't have pews. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't put out flyers. He doesn't do all this. I'm not going against it. I'm just saying here's a man during the Roman times. He walks out there into the desert. He wears a camel's hair skin. That's got to be uncomfortable. He's eating locusts and honey. But he's out there and he's doing what God told him to do. His message isn't crafted. Look at chapter number three. It says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There's his opening, his introduction. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about. Now you talk about a reach. And all he did was get out there and give the message that God gave. (coughs) It said, And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now there's something to draw people in, right? There's something to increase your reach. You know, there's something about the word of God, it cuts. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You don't read the Bible; it's supposed to read you. God's Word will show you where you're messing up. I one of the, well, I got one show that I watch here lately, just because I found out. You know, I got we got Amazon Prime and I got Discovery Plus, and I said, oh, they got all the shows I used to watch. I hate cable. I hate commercials. I mean, there's some shows I wouldn't watch to save my life, but, you know, by the time you see all the commercials for it, you may as well sat there and watch it. But there's this one show, and it's called Restaurant Impossible. I love it. Chef Robert. I used to like Chef Ramsay, but there's so much filtering you got to do, it'll mess you up. (laughs) But Chef Robert... He'll go into a restaurant, and, you know, it seems ridiculous, and a lot of the restaurants end up closing anyway, but he goes in there, and what he says isn't wrong. And, you know, there's something that he does is not popular with. <coughs> but he'll go in there and tell them how bad their food is. He doesn't coddle them. <coughs> you know, a, a good preacher will give the word of God whether it hurts or not, i got to admit, I catch myself pulling back sometimes. And then other times, because sometimes a word will just slip out. I'll I'll say something stupid. I'm not going to tell you the circumstances, but, you know, the mouth will just open up. And I'll say, I'm so afraid of saying something stupid sometimes, I'll hold back a little bit. But, you know, when you got the word of God in, when you've been prayed up, when you're trusting the Lord, you just give the message wherever it lands. And without Chef Robert going in there and saying, this place stinks. This food is bad. No wonder you're losing money. He'll go into the kitchen. He'll, he'll run his finger. Look at the dust. Who wants to eat here? Look, this came off the ceiling fan. And then he'll go into the kitchen. And he's not trying to hurt him, but he's trying to help him. You get to working in a place for a while. You get to working in a kitchen and you, you kind of let things go over here. You kind of let things go over there and you, you'll get to it. You'll get to it. You'll get to it. And then after a while, all this stuff will pile up and he, next thing you know, he's pulling grease out from under. There's so much grease up in that overhead. I didn't know those were supposed to be cleaned once a month. They're a fire hazard otherwise. Those vents over the stove... But he's being honest with them and it hurts. And I've seen them standing there and they say, You know, it hurts, but I know he's right. And a good preacher will tell you, and it may hurt. You can get mad, you can walk off. But if you want God to work in your life, you got to be at that point where you say, I know he's right. John the Baptist comes on the scene and we're talking about his service and his. His message isn't crafted. He says, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He's telling others to repent and be baptized as a show of their repentance. He preaches repentance. So his sermons were mean. He didn't have a nice building. In six brief months, John the Baptist had people coming from all over to hear him. He had the religious leaders and the Pharisees. He had publicans, fishermen, and craftsmen, people coming from all over. But he didn't hold back because he was there for a purpose. Now, believe it or not, this is brief, but in order to be able to preach, like, in order to lead people to the Lord, there first has to be within your own heart There first has to be within your own life that word surrender. Our pride gets in the way, our plans get in the way. There first has to be surrender. D.L. Moody, his friend, Henry Varley told him one time, and he recounted the story. He said, He told D.L. Moody, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to him. I read these stories, and they weren't giants in their time, but you see the effects of what they did. There's a man, John Hyde, who went to India, there's a man, Hudson Taylor, that went to China. And you think about the underground churches there. And you see that chain of events that we talked about in the introduction. And just think about the effect that they've had long after they were gone. If anyone gave himself completely to God, it was D.L. Moody. With only a third grade education, he led hundreds of thousands of people in England and America to God. You ever heard of the Moody Bible Institute? It wasn't because he said, I'm going to start a school. It wasn't because he said, I'm going to be famous. he He told a man one time, he said, if God told me to jump out the window, I'd do it. He only wanted to do what God told him to do. John Hyde, missionary to India, he turned down a teaching position at the college that he graduated from. He went to seminary, when he felt the call to ministry... He, he did so well, they wanted to hire him as a professor, but he felt called to God. And he went to seminary. In seminary, he was burdened about overseas missions at a, and at a service one night and talked to his friend about it. His friend said, he, he said, tell me why we need overseas missions. Why do we need to go there? His friend said, John, you know as much about it as I do. He said, your problem isn't knowing about it. He said, your problem is you need to get on your knees and settle it with God. If God's moving on your heart, you need to settle it with him. He spent all that night in prayer. He went back to his dorm and he spent all that night in prayer. And he said, when he came out of that, he said, it's settled. I'm going. Later, when he was... And and he did a lot to influence his his fellow students and missions and things like that. And then later, when he was going overseas to India and he got on the ship, there was a letter in his cabin. And he picked up that letter, and it was from his dad's friend. His dad was a Presbyterian minister, and his dad's friend was a minister, a man he really respected. And that letter said, I'm praying that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about the meeting. If we go too long, we'll have it next week. Right? We got it collated. We got it all set up. He got a hold of that letter and it said, I'm praying that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. You know what happened? He got mad. He put that letter down and he said, I've I've accepted the call. I'm going. Why would he have to pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He had some time to think about it on that ship. He was a young man. He went back and he uncrumpled that letter and he reread it and reread it. He got to praying about it. Before the end of the trip, he decided, you know what? I do need God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. He prayed and he said, Lord, he said, Lord, I ask you one thing. If you won't do this for me, I'll just go back. He said, I ask you. To use your saving grace, your saving power, to help me to overcome my sins. You saved me from them, but help me to overcome them. Overcome my sins. Those, even those besetting sins, y'all might not have those. I know we got a pretty good punch here, right? You don't have those sins that come back at you time and time again. If any of you are nodding your head, we're gonna talk after church. <laughs> I know I sound like a mean preacher today, but I just, man, I see these men that have surrendered to God and I saw what God did in their lives and it's like, you know what? If we ever reach a point where we got it all figured out, God can't use you. If we ever reach a point where we can't surrender to God, He can't use you. You get put on a shelf. He said, uh, when it comes to John Hyde, He has another name. They called him Pray and Hide. By the time he got out to the mission field in India and they were trying to teach him the the language, he was real slow to learn the language. And as he was out there, he said, you know what? And he'd been in seminary. He said, you know what? If I'm going to tell these people about God, and the reason he wanted God to clear him of his sins, and God did, is because he wanted to be able to tell people Himself about the saving grace of God, he wanted to be able to tell people himself about God's power to overcome sin in your life. And when he got out there and he was he was taking the language, he said he, he was it was slower and slower, and he said, "I need." He realized I need to learn the Bible. Coming out of seminary, now, that's not hard to believe when you call it cemetery school, but. I'll let that hang a minute. But he he got into the word of God, and he he just began reading and studying. And he was still working in the field. And it came to a point where the missionary board said, look, if you're not going to learn this language, we're going to have to send you home. And when they were deciding on that, the people from the village, they sent somebody and said, look, he doesn't speak our language right now but he speaks the language of our heart. Don't send him home because he was still doing God's work while he was doing that, but he put the priority right here. By the time he was done out there, and it was a couple decades, and I don't know the number of people that got saved, but I know there's a Christian population in India today, and he ended up leading the missions out there, and they said that when he spoke It was fluent. It was as if he lived there, as if he was one of them. He spoke fluently. You know, God doesn't call the equipped all the time. But God will equip the called. And it's not just a phrase. John surrender in in, uh, John chapter number one. Go back to John chapter one. We're we're talking about John the Baptist now. John chapter one, verse number nineteen. It says, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And, I, and, he, and they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he said, answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as, the prophet, as said the prophet Isaiah. He wasn't about himself. He was about his mission for the Lord. And they which were sent of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. And then look at verse 27. He it is who's, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes it, I am not worthy to unloose. You know, it's an interesting thing in this world. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of things that need to be managed. There's policies that you need as a church. There's taxes that need to be filed. There's buildings that need to be repaired. There's missionaries that need to be supplied. There's people that need help. And you can get caught up in anything In any endeavor, you can get caught up in the process so much so that you forget why you're even doing that. You can get so caught up in things that you can forget why you're even here. I've been praying. I've been asking the Lord, show me. I would like y'all to join me. I didn't plan this, but I would like y'all to join me this week and in the coming weeks. And some of you already have been, but let's pray. You get home at night. We pray for people. We pray over dinner. Let's really lift up our hearts to the Lord and ask him to send people. Ask him to send us to people. I say it all the time. said, he, it is who's coming after me, who is preferred before me. Look at uh, John chapter number three, verse 23. Uh, verse 25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. The trick is, if you're surrendered enough, the trick is, if you're only worried about how does it advance the gospel, how does it reach people, you put god before all things and if you want to go back to john chapter one you can but it says there was a man sent from god whose name was john the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe